0: This episode contains a discussion about active shooter lockdown drills, which may be upsetting to some listeners. Discretion is advised.
1: Um, shall we get started? Hello everyone, and welcome to Generation the Podcast, the audio companion to the HBO Max original series Generation. I'm Wembley Sewell, editor-in-chief of Them, a publication for and by LGBTQ folks.
0: Yes, and I am Gigi Good, your average, everyday, run-of-the-mill drag superstar. Today, we are talking to Zelda Barnes once again, co-creator of Generation, and Nathanya Alexander, who stars as Ariana. And I am so excited to get into that. But first, episode two, here we are. A week has passed. Wembley, what did you love about this week's episode?
1: I think... First of all, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot mm-hmm. to unpack <laughs> in <laughs> yes. this yes. episode. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, it's called Discovery, Discovery. <laughs> and I feel, you know, again, there was a lot to discover. Um, <laughs> on a serious note, on a serious note, gathering myself, I, I found the episode to be a really beautiful exploration of mental health and I thought it really examined how stress and anxiety and fear manifest themselves. Even though, of course, it takes place in, in a school, I think it really held a mirror to a lot of things that we're all feeling right now, no matter where we are, in a really poignant way. I'm still sitting with it, to be quite yeah. honest. Um, <laughs> again, there's a lot, a lot to unpack and I am excited to unpack it with you all here today. Yes, I
0: can't Absolutely. wait. Let's yes. unpack. <laughs> okay, well, once again, once again, we are so excited to welcome back Miss Zelda Barnes. Hi. Welcome
1: back. Thank you. <laughs> and of course, we're so happy to talk episode two with the hilarious and talented Nathania Alexander, who plays none other than... The Ariana. Miss Ariana. Miss Ariana in the <laughs> That girl. <laughs> She's something, huh? <laughs> she is. She is. She
2: truly is.
1: Ariana was introduced, episode one, uh, at the party. Right off the bat, she says some pretty homophobic stuff <laughs> and brushes it off and, and thinks it's okay because we find out she has gay dads. Yep. In this episode, we do get to know her a little bit better. It's not like you're all like, who's this girl? And then it's, it's <laughs> over. We do get to know her a little bit better. And I think a lot of folks, myself included, find a soft spot for your character because she is iconic, for lack of any better word. Here's her introducing herself in the GSA club. Let's play the clip. So, maybe we could all introduce
3: ourselves with a fun fact. Ooh, can I start? I'm Ariana, and my fun fact is my parents are gay. Hey, wow, that's very special. Yeah, um, they freaked out over a couple of jokes I made this morning and said if I didn't come, they stopped paying for my phone. Oh. And then I recently learned that they're thinking of bringing a third into their relationship. They read my text, so I was like, let me return the favor. Apparently, when you're gay, your slut phase lasts
2: even after you get married.
0: Okay, okay, thank you. Thank you, Let's let's try something besides fun facts.
2: Quick disclaimer: That is not based off of my parents. Oh, Quick my, I'm going to ask. I was I'm going thinking. to I'm ask. It. No, my parents. My parents would die. No. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> we have to go there. Absolutely, Zelda. We talked a little bit about it last week, and we know mm-hmm. you have two gay dads.
2: Yes. How much of yourself did you put into this character? You know, it's funny. I, I never really thought of myself as very similar to Ariana besides having gay parents and that family dynamic. Um, but I don't know. I do think we both have pretty irreverent senses of humor. And Ariana's sense of humor tends to lean a little dark, definitely. <laughs> um, I don't know. But it's, it's so interesting, I think. I think specifically with that scene that we just watched, um, when Mrs. Culpepper says, like, that's so special in... as a reaction to Ariana's, like, I have gay dad's declaration. I just think it's so funny. You do sometimes get a lot of that because people, Mm -hmm. when you're a child of gay parents, because people want to let you know that, like, they're cool with it. And it's just, it's so hard to always be like yeah you know it is very special because it's just my family it's just like yeah how I've grown up and so I, I definitely have moments where I like want to go to the Ariana place and like say something crazy <laughs> um, but I'm never quite brave enough and um, I think that yeah writing her character it was like she just says whatever she wants to and she says what she thinks is funny and she doesn't really care how it lands and she doesn't really care about her audience so much she just wants to kind of entertain herself and have fun and that was so much fun to write for.
0: The character as Ariana has so many zingers in this episode. Like, all the comedic relief in this episode really feels like it's on Ariana's shoulders. Um, She is so funny and so self-possessed, and people will just tell Ariana flat out, like, girl, you can't say that stuff. And her response is always, my comedy's edgy. Like, it's edgy. I'm, I'm, you know, she's coming off kind of hard. So here is her when she is recording these hysterical, slightly cringy videos during lockdown. Let's play the clip.
3: Oh my god, I think they just shoot her outside. Like I think they're gonna come in. I'm too young to die. <laughs> I'm freaking out. Uh Ariana? Oh no, I'm good. I'm just having fun with my dads.
1: I wanna know, like, what do you think that's in response to? Like, do you think that is somewhat in some ways like tied to mental health? Like, what I'm asking is why do you think she is the way she is? Yes, well, Ariana,
3: she, I think all of her her outrageous behavior stems from the need to be seen. Like, Hmm. she never ever wants to feel invisible. That's what it comes down to.
2: Absolutely. I also think a big part of her character is um, defying expectation. And I think a lot of people assume that she's going to be woke because she has gay dads. Mm -hmm. And I think she's a little bit like, no, fuck that. Like, I'm (laughs) funny. I have a sense of humor. I'm not going to, like, focus on all these things that you want me to focus on. I'm going to be my own person here. And I think that she has so much fun with that. She always she I think she loves the shock on people's faces when she says the things that she says.
3: Absolutely. She loves to joke around. (laughs) And she loves to like, I think she likes to not rock the boat and piss people off, but she likes to be like, hey, what? Like, I can say this. I can do what I want. I can say what I want. And and my comedy's edgy. She blames it on her comedy all the time. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that that's her thing for sure.
1: Yeah. You talk about being seen. And I think that that's something that ultimately all the characters really want. You know, especially at the end of this episode, you're left with a with a sense that that's really something that they're all getting at. I know it ends with—well, <laughs> it ends in a very <laughs> dramatic way, but before we get to that scene where it's, you know, the revelation, the discovery, um, it's— it is that moment of connectivity where they're all sharing the same moment and they've come to this conclusion that they can just be together in this way. And they are, I think, after all the conversations, all of the meditations, all of the quote unquote breakdowns, like they are all, I think, seen as an individual in a different way at the close.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I also, I think connectedness is a really big theme of our show all these kids kind of trying to find connection. They find it within this group of people and they find it within this GSA. And it's a place that makes them feel so seen. And I also think that that was a really big inspiration for the show in general was trying to create a show that was for queer kids that celebrated queer youth that made queer kids feel really seen.
3: Absolutely. And that that day... That pimple video actually did pull (laughs) us together, like, as actors. Oh, my God.
2: It's so (laughs) gross. (laughs) It's
3: so gross. We watched the video for the first time, like, shooting that that day. I had never seen a video (laughs) like that in my life. And when we all watched it together, those were real reactions. We were like, oh, my God, that is so (laughs) disgusting.
1: It comes up a lot. Like, every time you see it, you're not expecting it, but, like, you feel like you're going through it right with them. Um, I got secondhand social media anxiety, um, (laughs) like watching the video with them all.
0: So, the funny thing about this episode and this lockdown in particular is that it happens in a GSA club, which for those of you who are listening and are not aware what that stands for, that stands for Gay Straight Alliance. Now, In my high school, we had a GSA and I went to, like, two meetings, but it was just kind of, like, where the gay people would go to, like, look at pictures of Zac Efron and, like, (laughs) that, like, there there was no alliance that was forming, you know? Like, it just happened to be, like, the gay club at the school that had three members. But what's funny about this episode is that this lockdown takes place in the GSA club, kind of like at the Scholastic Fair. So it's kind of everyone's first experience.
1: The debut.
0: The debut. And some people, like we said, Ms. Mormon's um, first and only experience around these people and definitely never again after this situation. (laughs) So um, I want to know, what are your relationships with GSA? Like, have you ever been a part of a GSA
2: yeah. So I was, I was in my school's GSA and my senior year was a bit complicated because at the beginning of my senior year, I was working on the show. So I couldn't really lead any clubs while I was doing that. But we called it the Rainbow Alliance, which is a slightly more inclusive term Ooh, than just gay I straight. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's interesting. It was pretty small but then we had these affinity meetings um sometimes with like that like all the gay kids would choose to come to we did occasionally have kids coming in and being like just so everybody knows i am single and it was like they would show up at the club like looking for a date which i always thought was so <laughs> Match-making. genius yes, yes and i was like that's just incredible um but yeah <laughs> it was interesting a lot of kids were nervous to go because they felt like they might be outed and a lot of kids were totally comfortable going and loved it and loved just having a space where like they could hang out with other gay people and there were so many different perspectives on it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I always really enjoyed it. I really liked um, talking to other queer kids. And as an upperclassman too, it was really nice to get to talk to like queer seventh graders, queer eighth graders, queer Mm -hmm. freshmen who were kind of still maybe figuring out their sexuality or knew who they were, but weren't out yet and didn't feel comfortable talking about it or didn't have the words to talk about it. So I did think it was a really great place to kind of interact with younger students. And when I was a younger student, older students who could kind of start a dialogue.
0: Yeah, I mean, ultimately that's what GSA is for, to kind of help um, welcome in and, and cultivate the next generation <laughs> of <laughs> queer youth. But, Nathania, I'm, I'm not quite sure how you identify, but have you ever been a part of an, a, a, a school, let's say, Rainbow Alliance?
3: When we did the scene and when I read the scripts, that was, like, my, my introduction to GSA. I went to a performing arts high school, in New York. A GSA.
2: Yeah. So it is a GSA. So the whole school. <laughs> exactly, the whole school exactly, is a GSA. The whole school. The whole school.
3: <laughs>
1: Must be nice. <laughs> exactly. I went through all of high school in the closet. I'm really trying to retire mm. that phrase, let's just be honest. But I yes. <laughs> I did not step foot in the GSA. I did not go to there. Because, again, like, I thought if if you're there, you're out and everybody knows it. And totally. there was no, like... I know there's an alliance, so you could be there as an ally, but it's like, baby. Like, at least mm-hmm. that was the vibe at, at my school. Yeah. The most I think I ever ended up doing was, like, wearing purple on Spirit Day or, like, things mm. like that to, like, show solidarity. But, like, that was totally. as far as I got. So, to get a glimpse into what I thought a GSA could have been like— Of course, now every day working at them is a GSA, but, like, seeing what it could have been, I was like, wow, like— This is incredible. And to know that that's so much more accessible to so many other folks, Mm -hmm. not even just, like, at school, but, like, in many other ways, again, online, like, on social media, on TikTok. Like, I feel like the new little hype houses that are happening, little mini GSAs, if you will. Um, (laughs) But just, like, seeing that it doesn't actually have to be this... Physical space that sometimes might not also be safe to be in, like lockdowns aside, like just like to physically be in. That there's so many other ways to to connect is is incredible. As somebody who would have loved to have done that in in high school,
0: that is so cool that you went to a school that just was so open about celebrating something like that. And it almost is like, yeah. Do you do you kind of feel like the? I guess, need for a, a rainbow alliance of sorts is is dwindling in any sense. Like, it almost seems like it's just kind of a collective consciousness now within youth. Obviously, there are those who might share the same beliefs, um, the backwards beliefs of their parents um, here and there, but I kind of feel like as time goes on, especially in high school now, there's almost this sort of collective acceptance as is. Do you kind of feel like there's going to be a need for an alliance
2: It's such an interesting conversation that I've been having with a bunch of people lately. I personally think that there will always be a need for queer spaces as long as heteronormativity exists. As long as cisgender heterosexual is the norm, I think that queer spaces Mm -hmm. will always be important. I think that a place to talk about queer issues and only queer issues will always be extremely important. Um... But I don't know. I definitely do agree that, like, kids are getting a lot more accepting. And I I think that our generation is extremely accepting. And most kids that I encounter who are my age, even if their parents are more on the conservative side, Mm -hmm. have absolutely no problem with the LGBTQ community. But, yeah, I do think it's interesting. I think that as a queer person, I've always really loved and valued those spaces where I could just talk to my gay friends about being gay. And that was always really important to me, even though all my friends were very accepting. I hope that the need for that continues because... I don't know. I think it was it was really special to me to always have a place where I felt like everybody understood a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that straight kids can be allies, but they won't necessarily always understand what you're going through as a gay person. And I think that it's important to have a community that understands what it's like and what you're going through and everything. And it felt like a little family. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I completely agree with everything you're saying. I think it does remind me, though, of even the, the car scene with Ariana and her dad's and even Chester a little bit when he's darkly going through the lists of all of the organizations, people live very intersectional lives. There are so many different ways you can show up, so many different, you know, communities you can align with. So where do I gravitate to? Where do I go to? And not just like, okay, what's going to look best on my college application, but like truly I'm trying to find, you know, an affirming group for me at a very formative point in my life. And that can feel <laughs> like the biggest decision. I know obviously... Uh, Ariana jokes, like, oh, they would have cut off my phone bill, but, like, maybe there was something really even, you know, regardless of, of how, you know, the character identifies, like, something really affirming about feeling, like, closer to her parents by choosing this community. But I feel like it's more common than not for folks to kind of maybe feel a little bit of push and pull with their various, you know, identities and and what their kind of, like, home can be on, on any given day.
3: Yeah, it's like you got to find your your place where you feel like you fit in, where, where you feel like you get the support and where you feel like you can talk about your feelings. So I feel like for Ariana, even though she doesn't identify, she learns a lot being around that group of people and she becomes way more open, like her character development comes from from that group and they they check her every time she says something she's not supposed to and she grows like she grows and that th- those people yeah. become her family
2: yeah, Ariana has such an arc over the course of our season one. She she truly has such an arc and so much character development. And I think as an actress, that must be difficult to kind of like start in one place and then slowly go somewhere completely different. But I definitely think that Nathania's has done a great job of having all of the humor and fun of Ariana's character, but also all of the really poignant, important moments of like her realizing fundamental truths about her family and her life. And I think that that's really interesting.
1: Well, I want to know, Nathania what ultimately drew you to this role. Oh man. And when I first
3: read Ariana's character breakdown, I was like, oh my gosh, she's so layered. That's the first first thing I thought. And I was like, oh, this is so not stereotypical. It's so um it was so exciting for me to to dig deep in this character and to find her truth and to really like dissect her and open her up and even though on their surface there's a lot of comedy there's a lot of social skills that she needs to work on and there's a lot of sarcasm there underneath all of that there's actually like a sweet vulnerable teddy bear so Mm. that for me was like exciting to to really go in and dissect her like that
0: We are talking about episode two of the HBO Max series *Generation*, and we are going to get into a lot more after a quick break.
1: Hey, everyone! Welcome back. We're talking to *Generation* creator Zelda Barnes and Nathania Alexander, who stars as Ariana. I want to be, like, very real for a second here because um, I'm seeing this more and more, you know, um, in a lot of quote-unquote teen shows. Now you almost can't escape that there is usually a scene that takes place in an active shooter lockdown. I think no one would argue with the fact that this generation has been significantly more impacted by the reality that is you know gun violence and i know we're talking about how the inclination for a lot of folks when when you're in it and when there's nothing else to do is is to mask and to to kind of find find the joy find the way to pass the time but I'm curious what, what you, as, you know, an actor, Nathania. what you think was actually going on behind the scenes of of your character, of of some of the others, like, and Zelda, I'm sure that you have insight into this as well, but, like, the kind of mental gymnastics you have to go through to tell yourself it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, knowing that this is something that young people have to deal with, like, almost every other day, you know?
3: I think the fact that the generation is numb to it says it all like for those characters in that moment everyone is individually going through a lot internally yeah. and you kind of see that unmask as the lockdown progresses you know at first it's it's all fun and games everyone's joking around like Ariana's there in the corner making jokes and um but as as the lockdown progresses you know they start as individuals but then they come together even with the pimple video at the end. You get you get you (laughs) get a sense of togetherness. Everyone is internally stressing out for sure. But then at the end, everyone comes together and like that togetherness that they all have. It's all it's the support that they needed the whole time to get through it.
2: Yeah. The thing about lockdowns, too, is like that I remember so clearly, there was this one lockdown that we, it wasn't a drill, but we weren't sure what was happening. It didn't last very long, but I remember our teacher had us all sit in the same little corner of the classroom and we were all like crammed against each other. And a couple kids were really freaked out and really scared. And I will never forget this. This one kid just goes, I don't think it's a good idea that we're all sitting in the same place. If a shooter (sighs) walked in here, it would be like a massacre in this corner. And I was just like, why would you say something like that when kids are so scared? But it's, Just like people joke about it to deflect their feelings, I think, Mm -hmm. and people joke about it because there's so much stress in these situations and I think it's easier to just make a joke than it is to acknowledge those feelings and yeah I don't know I think that for a lot of our kids they start off by doing that and they start off by being like oh this happens all the time it's probably nothing we can joke around we can make this horrible boring terrifying situation kind of fun and then at the end you know we start to see Riley unravel a little bit we start to see Chester unravel a little bit and we start to see that anxiety as time goes on kind of getting to them more and more and just the not knowing is so scary and I think it drives people to these points where they're like making fun of the situation, even if the situation just really isn't funny.
1: But I think one of the beautiful things that you and I and I mentioned this earlier is that you do get to, in that moment, you still get to see different coping mechanisms play out, and some of them, you know, are soothing. Like I thought, I thought Greta's moment was beautiful. Yes. I, yeah. that, as somebody who like also understands, like it's weird to be playing with the idea of oh, I ha- this is an excuse also for me to be close to someone that I have a crush on. You know, this Absolutely. traumatic Absolutely. moment is is something that. A teaches me, you know, a new coping mechanism, but B gives me an excuse to touch a girl that I have a crush on. Again, a lot going on, a lot to
2: unpack.
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously.
2: Right, of course. Yeah, I definitely think that lockdowns are a lot more normalized for our generation than they are for generations before us. And I think that that's scary and it shouldn't, it so shouldn't be normal. It's so horrible that it's normal. But yeah, it's just something that we kind of have to live with. And so I think that a lot of us do kind of use humor. A lot of us don't take it seriously. I remember I had one like six hour lockdown that went into like 6 p.m. Um, because there was police activity in our neighborhood and we weren't allowed outside. And I remember I, I think I was in a physics classroom and we all went through like the science materials drawer and started like making goo and like having fun. <laughs> and it's just like you have to kind of do things to distract yourself. And I think yeah. it's, it's easier to just do things to distract yourself from kind of the stress and the fear and the fact that you haven't eaten also for six hours is like, there's no, they don't bring you food when you're in a lockdown because they can't. So oftentimes you're just stuck there and you're so hungry for so long. And I think that it's just, you have to kind of have some something fun or funny to focus on that isn't what's what's actually happening.
3: Yeah, I totally agree with Zelda. It's like internally people are stressing, but it's so normal and you get so numb to it that you just have to focus on something else, like whether mm-hmm. it's the thing that go- that's going on at home, or whether it's comedy, whether it's someone in the room that you might like, um, whether it's focusing on someone else's stress and justice and calming them down. Um, I feel like the distraction is what helps teenagers get through it.
1: One thing about Ariana is that she is also an absolute, like, ride-or-die friend. You see her friendship with Naomi, and they are, like, thick as thieves. She is screening, you know, the saucy photos. Like, she (laughs) is standing up for her. She is right next to her. Spoiler alert. In a, in a very, you know, tumultuous scene. She's screening the boys. It's everything. She is right there. What did that mean to you to get to play, you know, a character um, that is representing like a really strong uh, and and I would say like spunky, like female friendship? I grew up
3: with all boys. I have four younger brothers and I'm the oldest and the only girl. So for <laughs> wow. me to like play a character (laughs) Uh, (laughs) for me to like play a character that was all about sisterhood and like bonding with her girls. That was so, so exciting. And I feel like sisterhood is such an important thing for um, young girls. Yeah. That was, that was just so exciting to play alongside Naomi and Delilah, who's played by Chloe East and Lukita Maxwell. And they're awesome. Those two characters are the ones who understand Ariana the most. And where she feels like she can be her her true self. She's definitely a ride or die. She's definitely going to be there when you call (laughs) her. And she'll definitely fight someone for her friends.
2: (laughs) I love that friendship. I love that trio so much, too, because they're all such different people. They're these three totally different, but in their own ways, very, very strong, very opinionated Young mm-hmm. teenage women, and I think that it's it's so interesting watching the three of them on screen because they're all so different these characters, but they all love each other so much and it's it's really sweet watching that friendship kind of grow an arc
1: absolutely i i want I want Ariana in my corner. <laughs>
0: I am so excited that we got the chance to talk to you and I am even more excited to continue watching the show and watching the character unfold. You are so talented, so adorable, so (laughs) sweet. (laughs) And um, yeah, I I just want to thank you so much for being here and you too, Zelda, again. Thank you.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, always, always, always a pleasure.
1: And we will be here every week breaking down each episode with the show's creators and writers and stars. It is going to be so much fun. Stay tuned. Yes, get wait. Generation The Podcast is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio, hosted by us, Gigi Good and Wembley Sewell. The
0: podcast is produced and written by Phoebe Unter, written and researched by Sierra Kaiser, and engineered, edited, and mixed by Matt Stillo. It's executive produced by Ethan Fixell.
1: If you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed Generation the Podcast, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And of course, be sure to watch the series itself on HBO Max. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.